Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Chronicles of Power weekly show recap of the latest episode in the Powerverse. I'm your host, Kimi, here to guide you on this ride as we break down all things power. And we are brought to you by Private Listed, your source for all things music, sports, culture, and entertainment. Please hit us up on IG at PVTLSTD, YouTube, same name, Twitter, same thing. And if you have any emails for us regarding questions, points of views, anything that you want to argue with me about, you can email me at PVTLSTD at gmail.com. And today we are talking about Raising Canaan, the current show within the Powerverse that is currently rolling. We are on episode 204, titled Pay the Toll, directed by Monty DeGraff, writer Dylan C. Brown, and music by Ali Shahid Muhammad and Adrian Young. So in this episode of Power, we are continuing to see the missteps that Rock continues to make, whether it is with her family, mainly her son and her brothers, or her niece, and then her continuous missteps in terms of her business. Uh, specifically with bringing Warrell into the fold and not thinking twice about him ever deceiving her. And I just cannot understand how someone who has such business acumen and who could be so smart and so tough cannot see that someone who used to rock with her enemy or her arch nemesis is going to betray her. But we'll get into that a little bit later and we'll just do a quick recap of some of the things that happened. And let's say that we start off the episode with knowing that <laughs> our only limitations are the ones we put on ourselves. And in this case, Rock doesn't seem like she's she knows that she's putting any limitations on herself and we get to see her maneuver the world with trying to be professional in terms of buying a house uh, trying to make different business connections and also with keeping her drug business up and running and she hits a little bump in the road where she has to pay the toll or pay taxes or a land tax to the Italians in New Jersey. From the last episode, we found out that she wants to expand the family business. So instead of just working within Queens or within the 40 blocks or on Baisley, she wants to expand to outside of New York and not within the other boroughs. She wants to go to New Jersey. We are not really given any inclination as to why she just wants to branch out to New Jersey. She just tells her brothers that that's what she wants to do they give her a little pushback on it and then they still end up doing it anyway because no one stands up to her as usual but the person that does stand up to her in a roundabout sort of way is Kanan by doing his due diligence and I'm finally I'm finally seeing where they're going with this and I'm thankful that Kanan is at least pushing back on his mother in terms of what she's told him thus far about his dad. So we all know that the background is that DEFCON is Kanan's dad. At least that's what 
Rock tells her son that Defcon is his father. He was this big gangster from uh, back in the days, and he had so much respect in the hood. He he was the toughest person that anyone knew. But we find out through conversations between Rock and Detective Howard that Defcon was actually gay. And he was not the father of Canaan. Later on, we find that out that he was not Canaan's father. And she is just doing this to protect his legacy. But when Canaan goes upstate or goes to the jail facility or prison facility where his uncle Victor Stark is being held, you could tell that something else is there. And you could tell that Canaan is trying to piece together what exactly is missing from his mother's story because his uncle is really defensive about DEFCON's legacy and we kind of get information that DEFCON is actually no longer alive. I thought that he was in prison. Maybe I missed the scene or maybe I missed something where they told us that he was no longer with us because as far as I remember, when he was talking to Detective Howard in the station house, about his dad they kind of made it seem like he was still alive but after talking to uncle victor we know that he's it seems like he's dead um but Kanan does ask questions to victor asking him does he believe that he's his father but the way how victor responds and how defensive he gets when talking about defcon Kanan can kind of piece together that something is missing here and I was under the impression that Kanan is coming to the realization that DEFCON is not who they say he is now whether or not he figures out that he was gay and that he accepts that this guy is not his father that that is later to be seen hopefully we'll be able to see that later on but then there is something that I do want to juxtapose that with right so and I know that I'm jumping ahead a little bit but the next scene is with jukebox and jukebox goes to meet her mom Kenya who is played by Latoya Luckett and she has on the church lady 2000s in that house okay she got them slick loafers you hear me but she comes out with this lopsided wig to come meet jukebox and pretty much try to appeal to her better nature and jukebox just wants to know flat out why did you leave me and I think the answer is simple here it may be simple as a viewer for us to realize but as jukebox's mom tries to tell her like hey I was a little kid when I had you and I did what most scared children to do I run away so she had her baby she left her when she was like a year old and she left her with Marvin Uncle Marvin and we all know Uncle Marvin is not the perfect character he's definitely not the perfect father and we also have to keep things in context right in 1991 If your daughter or your child or anyone around you came out as gay or you suspected that they were gay, it wasn't you weren't going to be welcomed with open arms. And he definitely their scene from last season where he attacks her and they have that huge fight. Although now we see that he is remorseful about what happened between him and his daughter you can definitely understand that she her lifestyle or what he thought of her lifestyle or how or how he would would or wouldn't accept her is definitely 
how I think it would have went in 1991. And she is still at the juncture in her life where she's trying to figure out who she is and trying to find acceptance between the adults in her life. She doesn't really click with her dad like that. She is hanging on by strings with trying to connect with her aunt. And I always thought that they had a good relationship and I thought that Rock was very accepting of her. But something happened in this episode where I kind of felt like maybe Rock is being more manipulative as opposed to actually genuine with her niece. And, you know, we'll get into that later. But I think that she just wants to be accepted for who she is in a roundabout sort of way. And then later on in the episode, when we follow up with Jukebox, after she has this conversation with her mother and her mother explains to her why she had to leave or why she didn't think that it was a good environment for her to raise a child in, she she pretty much tells her like, hey, your dad was Marvin and Marvin was not the guy for me. But I just want to jog your memory a little bit. When jukebox and marvin had that huge blow up or that huge fight didn't he kind of insinuate that her mother was gay too and wouldn't that kind of explain some of the things that has happened with her mother how she has become so deeply emerged or has immersed herself in the church has been divorced twice and i think her mom may be struggling with her sexuality as well which is why she ended up leaving her daughter leaving new york it always seems like she's running from something and because she's running from who she is she has found place within the church and this is how she's able to suppress whatever feeling she has about her own self so she's using the church as a guide to kind of right her wrongs and I think when Jukebox looks at the picture of her mom with all of those children surrounding her it kind of makes her feel bad not kind of it it makes her feel bad like how can you be around stranger children and or children you don't really know and leave your own daughter but she she explains it by saying you know I left thinking that I could get myself together. I wanted to be a singer and I thought that I'll be rich and famous and I'll be able to come back and get you. And by the time I looked around, 10 years had passed and it just didn't make sense for me to come back. And Jukebox corrects her and says, well, you know, it wouldn't have been too late because Jukebox knows that she needs her mother. And although she had her dad, she had her uncles, she had her family, she had Kanan, who was probably the closest person to her. She still needed the love of her mother or at least somebody around her who makes her feel accepted without any conditions. And I think everyone around her accepts her for a certain condition, whereas Rox only accepts her for... She accepts her for whoever she is, how she dresses, what she looks like, but she she's accepting her on the condition that, hey, you don't bring anyone else around and you abide by my rules. And I think that rocks, that's rocks entire, that's her playbook with everyone. You can stay around me as long as you do the things that I want you to do. So long as you don't give me any pushback, you can stay in my orbit. And once, and I think once Rock sees that she's looking for her mother or that she actually went to visit her mother, that's like a blow to her armor, right? Because, you know, everything around Rock goes the way how she wants it to go. Wants it to go. And if anyone veers away from the plan, that's when she starts to push people away. And... <laughs> 
I have a theory about Rock for those of you who have watched Game of Thrones. And maybe I won't necessarily flesh this whole theory out here on this podcast episode. But doesn't Rock remind you of Cersei Lannister? Like she's definitely Cersei. And I'll give you a few examples as to why. I questioned what makes Rock redeeming, right? Because she's a, she's a horrible person. And for those of us who have watched the first iteration of Power where we had Ghost Tommy and the older Kanan, I think a lot of us ask, why, why do we like Ghost? And all of the things that Ghost stands for, and I think one of the reasons why Ghost was loved by much of the community. One was because of Amari Hardwick and his portrayal of the character, right? He did a a phenomenal job portraying Ghost and people actually sided with him when even though he did horrible things to his wife, terrible things to his children and even to his best friend, Tommy. But people liked him because they found something redeeming about him. And I am struggling to find redeeming qualities about rock she's a horrible person she lies to everyone around her she manipulates them and she does things in order to in her own mind's view to protect them but she's actually setting them up for failure in the long run and that's something that Cersei did now The redeeming quality that I found with Cersei or that you are told is her redeeming quality, even though I thought she was a horrible bitch and she needed to die a horrible death and she didn't die a gruesome way, the way how I wanted her to die. Um, I actually do root for Rock and I do want her to make it throughout the series, but I know that she's probably not going to make it only because there's no mention of her in the first power. And although we don't get to know a lot about Kanan's backstory in the first power, we do see jukebox. We know that jukebox makes it, she makes it out alive, but you know, and we know what happens to them at the end. Rock and Cersei are the same in that they care for their children. They will burn the world down in order in order to to care for their children and to protect their children but any any naysayer or any person that gets caught in the crosshairs they're gonna die and it doesn't matter it doesn't matter who they are she's gonna she's gonna go to any lengths to protect you and whoever gets hurt in the in the mix of that it, it doesn't matter and that's probably the only redemptive thing that I can think about Rock in terms of how we relate her to Cersei Lannister. But they they are both brutal and wicked and would do anything in terms of keeping the grip of their power or keeping their power in line with how they see themselves. The other thing with Cersei is that she has a bit of what you would call or what I would call penis envy, right? She, she wants, she doesn't, I don't know if I could say that she wants to be a man, but because the culture in their realm of the show is dominated by men and the same thing with rock right she knows that she has to have the biggest balls on the block she has to have kahunas that you can't even measure and she has to operate in a way that makes people fear her and Cersei uses that same fear 
to help or to make people do things that they wouldn't normally do. And I think her her comparison to Cersei is what's going to be her downfall because she has this power and because of her penis envy and because she wants to be a man and she wants people to respect her the same way that men do she she's she has a lot to learn in terms of how she she maneuvers the world that she's in so yes she seems tough when she's talking to the italians yes she she has the power dynamic she the power dynamic is always in her court in terms of how she deals with her brothers her friends or not friends because you don't really see her with any friends and that's another thing if cersei had no confidant she had no person that she can talk to or mull over ideas with and I think that that leaves a person extremely isolated especially a woman if they don't have anyone that they can bounce not not a woman not saying that because you're a woman you need someone to bounce ideas off of but any person male or female right or non-binary you need someone to bounce ideas off of and someone that you can go through your ideas with similar 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 to how jukebox and Kanan they always debrief with each other regardless of whatever they're going through they come to each other and talk to each other about it for instance within the first few episodes you see Kanan and jukebox talk about uh, what Kanan was made to do by killing his father who we find out is his father and why jukebox tells him like hey no adult should put you in that situation and in our earlier episode i said you know the kids are the only one who have sense on this show because i can't understand why on earth his mother would send him to kill a grown man as a 15 16 year old and a cop at that but uh we'll we'll talk about my cersei and rock comparisons and at a later date and I'll flesh out the theory a little bit more and I'll make sure that you know all of my comparisons and even my contrast are are well thought out but let's finish going through the episode because there are some other things that happen besides uh Laverne or Jukebox meeting with Kenya and besides um Kanan meeting his uncle on his dad's side so we do also find out that (laughs) The truce between Rock and Unique is a farce. And I think I called it last episode. Like, I don't believe this truce, not even a little bit. There's no way that someone is going to set you up for murder and you go to jail for it for a little while. Even though he, he was, he's sort of vindicated about it. They they know that they don't have DNA evidence to tie him to the murder, but they're still, they're still looking for him and they're still giving him a hard time because he can't set up as business as usual. So Unique still has to find ways to get Rock back. And I know that he, that little truce that they had in the last episode i know that that wasn't going to last for long but we do find out that he is the one that is behind all of the setups of their trucks going into jersey so the italians are given the heads up by unique 
to rob the trucks that are coming into Jersey. So the first time we see it in the opening part of the episode, we see that the truck is robbed. So they jump the driver of the truck and they take whatever work they have in the truck. And that that's done. So they have to figure out how can we make amends with the people in Jersey. They do a meeting with the mobsters in Jersey and they're told that they pretty much have to pay a tax in order to set up any operations on that side of the river. But then later on in the episode, we see that obviously it was Unique who was giving them the information through Warrell. So Warrell, again, ding, ding, ding. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. We find out that fuck ass Warrell is the one that's given out all of the information to um unique in order for him to go back and tell the Italians exactly what the plans are. So they switch up and say that we're not going to use trucks anymore. They specifically say we're going to use the short bus, meaning that they're going to use like yellow school buses or the school buses that they use to transfer uh, special needs people to and from school. So they use those. They rig the school bus where they have, they can put the actual drugs under the seats or whatever it is that they're trafficking. So whether it be the drugs, guns, or money, whatever it is that they're trafficking, they're using the school buses to do it. So they switch from trucks so that because the trucks obviously are going to bring more attention. A school bus, you would figure that it's more incognito. No one is really going to pull over a school bus or think that anything is being transported with the school bus. But, of course, the Italians figure it out because someone tells them and Warrell gives them all of the information about uh, the operation that Rock is running. Now, for someone who I believe is as smart as Rock, I just don't understand how the hell she could think that she could go and get someone's captain. So Warrell was Unique's captain, his right-hand man, the person who tried to kill Lou, who sets the house on fire, shoots the house up, does all of these things for Unique, and then she wants to bring him on the team. And her brothers, they give her a small if a fight like not even like I would have fought Rock if Rock would have told me that I had to work with the person that just tried to kill me and then then you say it's business it's not personal like no one is going to do that but of course he holds true to what I think he's going to do he sells them up the river so they get robbed twice and they lose product they're losing money and on top of that one of the things that we find out is Lou, not Lou, Uncle Marvin speaks to Warrell and tells him about the short bus plan, right? He tells him he needs to make that run. But in that same conversation, they both realize that money is missing. Now, remember, this money is stolen by Canaan. Rock's own son steals money out of a shoebox from his mother's trap house or his mother's makeshift house where they have the drugs, the guns, the the cash. He steals money out of there and I sometimes as children you don't realize the repercussion of your act of your actions and him stealing this money is definitely gonna get someone killed. And he he just takes it, he gives it to famous so that they can have some bullshit ass house party where they play I'll be sure in the background. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, I'll be sure is Crown Camacho's actual dad. So that Quincy 
Quincy's real father. His name is Albie Shore. Although you may know his dad as Diddy, his real father is Albie Shore. So that singer y'all hear playing in the background of that party that they're having, that's his his dad. And shout out to uh, Ali from from Tribe Called Quest for playing that little gems in there for people who don't know. But um, so he steals the money and he gives it to Famous, and I believe Crown Camacho also hooks him up with the apartment. I wasn't really clear on what happened there, but from what I understand, he finds the apartment for him. Kana gives him the money to, I guess, pay security deposit, and then they put together this little party, a little housewarming to, to get him acclimated to the new place. And they meet, there's a weird scene where Kana meets the neighbors, so it's a young lady and her mom and they both look to be about the same age and they give weird vibes to Kanan who is underage and that scene was very very cringy considering everything that happened with Tiffany Haddish and Aerie Spears this week I don't really like that scene so I think we should move on from that one let's keep going so So Rock, Rock, then she finds her house with the racist real realtor lady. Now, if that would have happened to me, and you guys could tell me if you would have done anything differently. If a bitch would have told me to, that I need W-2s or I need to give proof of income and all that shit, I would have found a new realtor. But nope, Rock sticks with that lady and they find her a nice big house in some white part of Queens and she brings Symphony with her who pretty much tells her, bitch, leave me alone out of your shit. You made me take your son to Virginia. You don't want to tell me why you made me take him to Virginia and you trying you trying to get back in my good graces but then you're just going to end up pushing me away. So please, lady, just leave me alone. I don't want to be in your gang nonsense. I don't want to be with the drugs. I don't want to be with the thugs. Please, lady, just let me live. Because he knows if he gets wrapped up with this woman, he is going to be collateral damage and he is going to die. And like I told you in the first episode, that little scene where he walked away and they played that sad music, that is that is telling you, that is foreshadowing what is going to happen in the end. He is going to die. Okay? And he knows he's going to die. So he wants to stay away from her. Okay. But um, we end up, we end up at the end of the episode after they, after the skimming of the cash, after Jukebox find, talks to her mom and she has this really meaningful conversation with her mother. Rock, find, Rock finds the house. She brings Symphony there. He tells her to leave him the hell alone. The school bus gets ambushed. Um, and Warrell mysteriously doesn't get beat, get, doesn't doesn't receive a wound, even though he he's the one driving the school bus. They just take the school bus and whatever is in there. But then at the end, we see that Rock keeps getting blow after blow after blow. Whether whether it's people stealing from her, whether it's people lying to her, whether it's people not really wanting to be involved in her organization or be involved with her, we find out that the ultimate blow to her ego is that her son is lying to her, and that because of his due diligence with going to go meet his uncle Victor and going to and talking to prior to this one. He speaks to Detective Howard, who tells him that he's his father. She then follows him out of the house when he says that he's going to go hang out with Famous. She follows him and sees that he is meeting with his dad. 
His real dad, Detective Malcolm Howard, who we find out his real name, his first name rather, from a prostitute. So it took us only, what, 12, 13, what is this, 14 episodes to find out his first name. So Malcolm, who is Detective Howard, played by Omar Epps, uh, welcomes Kanan into his house and Rock sees this and you can see her world of lies or her house of cards just shattering as she sees that her son doesn't believe her anymore. All of the ma- manipulation that she has used towards him, Jukebox, her brothers, and everyone around her, it's slowly decaying because they don't believe her anymore. And because Kanan is getting older and he's he's the only one, not the only one, but he's questioning her motives. He's questioning why she's doing certain things or why she wanted him to do certain things. He's He went back to the person who told him that he's his father who she has proclaimed is crazy and that has he had amnesia he doesn't really know what he's talking about his mind is all screwed up he goes to this person even though his mother is all he knows he goes to this person i think to get closure or get clarity about how he's his father similar to what jukebox is doing right and there is something very very uh special that I want you guys to take note of. When Jukebox and Kanan were talking about her mom, about her meeting Kenya, did you notice that he didn't speak about Detective Howard at all? He didn't tell her about his conversation with Howard, about Howard telling him about his, about him being his dad. And he didn't tell him that, he didn't tell her about meeting with him on different occasions or whatever he said to him. And I think he's keeping that close to the chest because he wants to work out all of the details himself because he can't talk to his mother about it because because when he asked his mom about it, his mom pretty much made it seem like Howard was a lunatic and that anything he said can't be trusted because his mind is all messed up. But just looking from the outside in, right? As a kid at that age, the first thing I would think of, if I tried to kill this person, I would think, why is this person trying to protect me, right? And he has to have come to the realization like, hey, this guy is trying to protect me because he is actually my father. And maybe that's why he goes to meet up with him at the end because he knows that he is protecting him and not in the protection and not in the Cersei Lannister type of protection whereas it's just manipulation he he's he sees that you know he's actually trying to protect me I tried to kill this guy and he hasn't dimed me out he hasn't told the cops that it was me because he definitely remembers that it's me and now he has to contend with how his mother treats him and how this new person that he met who is his father treats him and I think, you know, we'll find out more about it on the next episode. And, and I'm curious to see how Rock is going to react to Kanan now that she's seen him go to Howard's house. And she doesn't know what conversations that they're having, even though she can pretty much guess what it's going to be at this point. Because Howard did tell her, I'm going to tell him that he's my son. And I just wonder in what horrible way she's going to try to kill him this time <laughs> because he he's he's letting he's letting all of the all of the eggs out of the basket and now she's not going to have as much control over Kaden like she once did because once one he's getting older and two he's starting to realize the truth about his mother and about the people around him so 
the questions that I have for you guys are, do you believe that Kanan is going to make amends with his father? How, and then another question that I have for you about that, how do you think Raquel is going to react towards Kanan after all of this? Is she going to try to actually tell him the truth or is she going to keep lying and make it seem like Detective Howard is the crazy one. Now, certain other things that she does have to contend with is what is she going to do about Worrell? Because this is not going to last for long. There's no well, no way that Worrell is going to make it to episode 10 of this of this series, considering he's dimed them out and he's working with Unique. Eventually, she is she is going to have to she's going to have to do something about that. And we still have to get more answers about Scrap because what they did to Scrap, I, I don't I don't see that going away easily, even though within the past two episodes. So like within episode three, uh, the only pe- person that mentions him is famous and he, he famous mentions Scrap to hold on. Let me get this straight. Famous mentions Scrap to. Kanan and then Kanan brings it back to his mother and it's it's left at that and I just don't see it ending that way and if they do I think that that's very lazy writing if they leave it that way but anyway I hope to hear from you guys via email or on IG or Twitter so definitely let me know your thoughts I hope you enjoyed this episode if you had any feedback for me please leave a review or send me an email and definitely enjoy your week this coming up this upcoming week excuse me my tongue is a little tired uh enjoy your upcoming week and definitely hit us up on ig twitter or email have a good day guys Make money, make, make, make money When shit hit the fan, we'll take money Southside, be with the best of them Done, shout at the best of them yeah. Checks, I'm collecting them Check, boy, I'm finessing them Big bags of bread Boy, you fuck around, put a big bag on your head For the weather, break your dead Let's get to it, they don't do it like we do it uh, Cop it, whip it, bag it, flip it Re-up, we up, we up.